0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So, uh, well, uh, welcome back to our third week of the Intro to Meditation course. And um, people are still coming in. We could take a few minutes to, if any of you have any questions, or want to report a little bit how your meditation is going, or, Maybe how those, if you did the exercises and the homework, what that was like for you? Last week was mindfulness of the body. You all carried your bodies along with you enough that you noticed it. Yes, is there a mic over there? Up there on the stage, Rudy.
0: Uh, One thing that I noticed is that I felt like I was swaying, like not like I was drunk, but I kind of felt this like swaying. And I I thought to myself while I was meditating, why am I swaying? And I realized it was my heart beating Mm, Yeah, and that I could actually feel it. And I mean, not that, you know, I'm unaware of my heart beating, but it just felt really neat to experience that and not just kind of be in the moment with it.
1: Nice, very nice, yeah. As we get quieter and more sensitive, more aware, there's all kinds of uh, perceptions, inner events that we start becoming aware of that often we've been a whole lifetime not even knowing. And uh, one of those is subtle uh, pulsing, pulsations that go on in the body in different ways. And the heartbeat is really common and, and uh, can be pretty neat. Yes, up here, Jim.
2: Uh, I've been having some uh, some. Well,
1: back... Hold it closer because. Sure. Uh, I've
2: been having some backache yeah. the last few days, and uh, it it's worse in the late evenings. Uh, but I try to meditate for that reason in the mornings. Uh-huh. But the moment I sit down to meditate, I uh, just the backache comes as the first thing to my mind, and my mind just goes there. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you know, when I was a kid and I was sent to study, I just think about the first distraction and just take all
1: my attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he said that um, when he has some back issue right now when he sits down to meditate in the morning when usually it's not as bad as the evening. He sits down the first thing he does is his mind goes right to his back pain. And it's like, um, you know, like being sent to study as a kid and his mind goes immediately to everything but study. The um, One of the really important and fascinating and sometimes humbling aspect of this practice is to discover how your mind works and uh, all the little tricks, all the way it operates um, and the kind of things, we uh, the selection process, what we're interested in, what we focus on uh, and how what we focus on then affects our reactions and our emotions and our beliefs and, you know, all kinds of things and um, many people don't see the cause and effect relationship. They don't see how their mind works. And because they don't see it, they just live in the middle of it, kind of being pushed around by it, somehow controlled by it, somehow under its influence. And they wonder why they're suffering. You know, you know, just, their just, struggles are just the nature of reality. But as you quiet down and start paying careful attention, you start seeing some of these things. And so it was great what you observed that uh, uh, for whatever reason your mind at that point is really interested in the pain, in the discomfort. And so it'd be good to look at that more carefully. That's that's kind of like the default in mindfulness. Look more carefully. Just take a, take a deeper look. Don't think about it, but kind of a silent witness. What is this? What is this interest? What, why did my mind go there? Is it driven by fear? Is it driven by interest? Is it di- uh, uh, driven by... Scientific inquiry, <laughs> completely neutral observer. You're taking field notes. You know it doesn't really. You don't really care if you're pain or you pain or not. But it's just kind of interesting. So you might as well study it. Or is it? This is the end. You know this is going to affect the rest of my life. And this is you know a lot of you know. But what goes on? why, why the selection process? One of the fascinating ones. It happens uh, mostly on retreats, meditation retreats where people are meditating much of the day i 'm teaching one right now and and it 's uh the forty five minutes of people meditate. Some people who are new to all this find that uh, it 's a long long period of time to meditate and uh, People have told me in this retreat that uh, in their mind <laughs> they 're screaming at the bell ringer, ring the bell <laughs> 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 and um, and then um but one of, the, one of the really interesting things around pain is that uh, people can be sitting with pain and sometimes people don't want really to move so they're sitting still. They're telling, you know, yelling at the bell ringer. Ring the bell. And uh, you know, the, I can't stand it anymore. This is the worst and this is terrible and, and whatever. And, um, and then finally the bell does ring. And it's such a relief. Oh, great. And they said, oh, that was really nice. You know, that was really hard and it's nice the bell rang. I'm so glad it's over and now I can move but you realize you haven't moved. You're still sitting in exactly the same posture and your knees don't hurt anymore. Your back doesn't hurt. What, <laughs> What? Where, where did it go? All they did was ring the bell and it disappeared. Uh, the role the mind has in accentuating pain and highlighting pain and manufacturing pain is really big, but it, mostly it's under, under, undervalued. Um, I once read a study about pain, or some, some people, physiologists or psychologists are studying pain. And they said uh, that pain is a compound event made up of ten different um, factors. And the physical injury, the physical thing that might be, uh, is only one of the ten. And, and, uh, and you need to have a, some total of, this, of these different things operating in particular ways for it to be registered as pain. And uh, the physical thing is not the only thing. So you can have the physical thing without being registered as pain because of the other nine things that have to come into play. And, um, and some people report this, for example, when they have a pain and as soon as they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them diagnosis, it goes away. Or just going to the doctor, like, you know, you know where, where's the pain? Well, <laughs> it's not there. Uh, or people who have in, in battlefields Uh, have a very different relationship to the same kind of pain they might have if they, you know, not in a battlefield when the situation has a whole different context for understanding it. So some of the other factors that come into play are imagination, our values, our beliefs, our fears, our emotions, um, uh, the interpretation of danger we have, uh, the feelings of safety we have in relationship to it. Many different things come into play. And so an interest is one of them. And uh, so sometimes pain gets accentuated because we're really interested in it. But it's possible to be very respectful of pain and not to deny it, but not be particularly interested in it. And it doesn't, it, sometimes it doesn't get very strong then. And it's just to say in the background, it's okay. So that was a long answer, but I hope that was okay. okay. Yes, here.
2: Yeah, good segue for you. Um, I chose to cook a meal that my mother used to make as a kid. I haven't had it in over 20 years. And uh, as I was mindfully eating it, a lot of emotion came back from eating it. My mom and dad, and my dad passed away a little while ago. And, uh, yeah, it was very interesting, um, really hard. But uh, the emotion definitely was attached to the, to the eating. The
1: eating, Yeah. So, so, there's all associations, so all the associations we have also is part of it, the memories we have and what we associate different things with and so you know our, our uh, it's kind of a good so you said a good segue into today's topic was, which is emotions, and um, emotions like pain are complicated they're complex they're compound events they're not a singular one thing and um, and part of the value of mindfulness is to begin to tease apart. The sophisticated apparatus, sophisticated kind of working of the human heart and mind. Um, so it's not, we don't just kind of stuck in seeing it, just this is how it is, boom, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. But we start seeing there's memory and associations and many other things that go into it. And so we start, not, uh, again, not to disrespect it, but actually to have a deeper respect because we understand the, the sophisticated operations of the heart, of the mind, and the relationship between our thoughts, memories, projections, plannings, and what goes on in the heart with our happiness and sadness and griefs and, and joys and all kinds of things that go on. And um, one of the things, that one of the points I'd like to make today about emotions is that uh, our capacity to have emotions is in fact connected to this sophisticated apparatus of many different th- things operating together. And uh, it's not an accident that we have emotions. It's not like, you know, a rather unfortunate thing that, you know, we're better off without them, right? Um, but the emotions are an extremely important part of how we negotiate the world, how we understand the world, how we understand ourselves. It's part of the communication system. It's part of the, the antenna, the part of the uh, ways in which we respond and react to what goes on around us. Sometimes that complicated uh, world of reactivity, reaction, response, perception that all goes into emotions, serves us really well, and sometimes it doesn't. The, um, um, sometimes um, you know, f- fear is really important, and what fear does for us physiologically is really important for us. It gears up our physiology so that we can somehow run away from the saber-toothed tiger. And, and uh, we should probably all should be very grateful to our ancestors, who uh, had this wonderful capacity of fear that kept them out of the saber tooth's mouth, and uh, only because of that are we here today, so it was a really a good thing, um, uh, but I think that our ancestors, who really had fear as a really important quality of their life, um, were probably not anxious about uh, whether they can be first in line to get the Apple or the, the iPhone 7. <laughs> or anxious about, you know, uh, some idea, you know, a- it's, you know, anxious about what people are going to think about them at their speech they're going to give at work next week. Um, or anxious about, will anybody accept me if I go to the party? <laughs> you know, so, or whatever it is. You know, so I'm trying to say that um, anxiety, which is a kind of fear, uh, is very debilitating for people. And many people in our society, it's ep- epidemic in our society that people have anxiety, but anxiety has a lot to do with imagination and imaginary futures, imaginary projections, partly based on past and past experience. Um, and so sometimes fear serves us really well, and sometimes uh, it doesn't serve us, it undermines us. And so we need to get a handle on it. Sometimes uh, anger can serve us, it has maybe its uses, but uh, so, uh, many times anger undermines us. Um, pleasure. Can serve us really well. Pleasure is a very important part of human life. Uh, and the pursuit of pleasure and certain kinds of pleasure has not only undermined some people, but has been deadly for some people, literally. Uh, pursuing the pleasures of alcohol, for example, or drugs, and um, many things. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, we have a sophisticated inner world that is, is really phenomenal. We, that we have this apparatus operating is really great and one of the things about sitting down to meditate and be mindful is we're beginning to, to uh, be a naturalist uh, to study and become aware of how it works for us and that's an, one of the reasons why we try really hard in this meditation practice to be non-judgmental to be kind of the you know a, 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 a naturalist that goes into the field to study doesn't um, you know doesn't interfere with what's what's there just wants to be be the observer that watches So we we want to be the observer that watches and gets to know ourselves and frees ourselves from the automatic instincts we might have to judge, to be for, to be against, uh, to use self-knowledge to be self-critical of ourselves or all kinds of things. And so the big part of this meditation that some people find very uh, meaningful is how um, radically self-accepting it is. Uh, It's like in the context, especially the meditation, you get to be who you are. You get to be exactly as you are. You don't have to be different. It's probably, for some people, it's the only and the first place in their life where they feel unconditional acceptance is possible. Um, anywhere else, and you're not quite up to snuff, you're kind of like, well, you're better than everyone else, or, you know, you have to, you know all the stuff that goes on. But in meditation, you're allowed. Out in the world, in society, in family, sometimes certain emotions are preferred. <laughs> And certain things you better not show people. You know, if you're angry. You don't show your boss, maybe. Uh, you know, you lose your job, or your family doesn't. It's does not. Uh, you very comfortable with anger, so you don't show it. Or your comfort. Your family's really comfortable with worry, and uh, you know, you, you show your love by worrying properly. And so, and so, um, and so, you know, that's kind of favored. And so, you go home, and you got to get your worry kind of mojo going. Um, but. Um, but you have to be a certain way. Meditation, you don't have to be anything for anybody. And, it's, and because we want to study and see and learn to be free, um, it really works best if we don't try to, we just allow, allow, allow ourselves to be as we are. And so when we, today when we do emotions, you'll see um, that it's okay to have the emotions you have. You don't have to judge it or repress it. You also don't have to celebrate it. Some people say, oh, it's great, I don't have to judge my anger, I can just let it be. Um, but then they're ready to celebrate their happiness and joy. And these Buddhists, they don't celebrate enough, and we should get up and dance or something. Um, but the idea is to learn the skill, the capacity, to just be present, very open, uh, spacious, allowing, so we can go deeper and see what's there. Also, the more we, less we interfere, the more the natural system that we are has a chance to operate. And we have a phenomenal natural system within us. Um, not only to save us from saber-toothed tigers, but uh, you know it's put together, you know, maybe through evolution or whatever, uh, in a very, very sophisticated way. And this system that we have, just like the physical body, knows how to heal. Oftentimes, if you cut yourself, the heart knows how to heal too. The psyche knows how to move to freedom, knows how to go move to peace. If you learn not to interfere, it's quite something. And so to sit and be present. So one of the things that we need to do for this to really work well is we first have to become aware of our emotions and to really learn to see it and then learn how to be with it for many people in a very new way, in a very different way. Make some sense so far? So, with that as an introduction, um, maybe we can do a meditation and... um, and please, if you'd like to stand so you're more comfortable when you sit down meditating, you stand for you know, a minute and stretch, shake out your feet. Sometimes this mindfulness practice is kind um, of a, 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 a question that is sometimes used in the practice that gives you a little bit the flavor of being a naturalist of being not for or against anything but just curious just interested is uh, the question what is this so whatever is going on what is this so if you have an emotion you um, uh, some people have manifestos about their, what they believe about emotions. Some people would, you know, would push them away and don't have anything to do with them. Some people are quick to assign meaning to them, quick to identify with them This that it says something about themselves. The idea is to try to try to be very simple and, and, and rather say, what is, what is this? What is this emotion? As if you've never known it before. So that's kind of like the little bit uh, underneath what we're trying to do here today. So you might Occasionally in this meditation, if you find yourself with an emotion that, um, you know, it's grabs you in some way or you resist or something, you might experiment with uh, just saying to yourself, what is this? And kind of silently, kind of look more carefully, sense it, feel it, be with it. So uh, I would like to begin very simply and directly by simply, as you are, close your eyes. And then as you are right now, how are you feeling? What mood or emotion, mental state is present for you? It could be anything, it could be very subtle. Are you more, are you content? Uneasy in some way? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you worried or delighted? bored, eager? Are you dull, feeling dull? Are you feeling sharp and clear? Just kind of how are you feeling? And not so much what you think you feel, but if you let your body show you Coming out of your body, how are you feeling right now? What's the emotional state, state of being you have? And no matter what it is, take a few moments to to see if you can find that neutral place, that naturalist place. What is this? Giving it permission to be there but a little bit stepping away from it so you can see it and be, what is this? Allow it to be there. So it's a little bit of an experiment in how you pay attention. Can you pay attention where you're not, you're very simple, allowing it to be there as if it has permission to be there. So at the beginning of a session of meditation, it's sometimes useful to check in with yourself this way, because sometimes unacknowledged emotions can cast their spell on us. They can kind of cast a color, how we see and what's going on. If we're in an aversive mood, then everything we're aware of when we meditate, we kind of have it, we're against. Or if we're, have anxiety, whatever arises, you're colored by that anxiety. Or if we're in love, everything <laughs> is colored by, you know, something like that. So if you, if you acknowledge how you're feeling, maybe you're less likely to, for that how you're feeling to color your experience. Kind of, it can be a little bit beyond the side. So then, the way we usually start, you can take a few long, slow, deep breaths. Part of the function of the deep breaths is to make a stronger connection to the body here and now. And then as you exhale, to let go of your thoughts, which are about there and then. Remind yourself, here is where you are. And then as you exhale, see if you can let go of some of your thoughts or, or lighten up on them. Letting your breath return to normal and finding in your body the place where you feel the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out, the sensations of inhalation and exhalation And as you're with your breathing, see if you can be a companion for your breath or let your breathing be your companion. You're there with it, through that experience, feeling, sensing, the alternating sensations of breathing in, breathing out. Maybe a little bit like a massage, Muscles are being needed, or maybe like the tides or the waves washing up and down off the shore. if your mind gets involved in thinking. It's okay if it does. But when you notice that, see if you can come back again to your breathing. It doesn't matter how many times your mind wanders off. It only matters how many times you begin again. If you remember from last week, I talked about commentary. There's no need for commentary. It's enough just to be with your experience. What is is this? Just let it show itself to you. Be with your breathing. Be as you are. For another minute or two, come back to your breathing. Let it settle you help calm you down, relax the thinking mind. So then, as we continue here, I'd like to repeat something we did last week, I think. And that is, bring your attention into your right hand. With the idea that the right hand maybe is a relatively neutral place to bring your attention. If it is, bring your attention to some other place, some neutral, simple, ordinary place in your body that has no charge to it, doesn't hurt. So bring it into the right hand and explore the hand, but also explore what it's like to bring your attention to roam around the, roam around the right hand and to f- just feel the hand. Letting the hand show itself to you. The hand, the sensations reveal themselves to you independent of what you think or commentary or judgments or ideas, just very simple. Allowing those sensations to be there, not being for or against them, just sensations of the hand, tingling and warmth and pulsing and vibration, coolness heaviness. Now in the same way, in the same way, can you bring your that kind of attention to how you're feeling right now. What is the emotion or attitude or mind state, mood that you have? It might be very subtle, it might be vague what it is. It's all okay. But see if that at the way in which you just felt the sensations of the hand, see if you can take some moment just to feel or experience or sense or your mood or emotional state. It's okay for it to be there. And as you do so, is there some place in your body that gets activated or is energized or somehow is the the home or the house for how you're feeling. Some people will feel their emotions some emotions are in their belly, some in their chest, some in their jaws or eyes. And if you do feel like it has a place in your body that's associated with the emotion, the same way that you felt the hand, feel that part of your body and feel what's there associated with the emotion. And if it's really if it's obvious and easy very quietly in your mind label the emotion for what it is sad happy anxious peaceful calm agitated bored <laughs> bored curious resisting, accepting. So name it like that gently, but in a way to see if it can help you not identify so strongly with it, not be caught in its grip or be a little bit free from it. And if how you're feeling changes as you watch, see what replaces it. okay. So then in the last few minutes of this meditation, if you'd like, come back to your breathing. Maybe start by taking a little deeper breath than usual to make a strong connection. And then let your breath return to normal. And see if you can ride out the sensations of breathing in and breathing out. Just hang in there with it, hang out with the breathing. Maybe it's helpful to ever so slightly whisper in and out so you can stay there and help the mind become quieter. And then to end this emotion, you can take a few long, slow, deep breaths, feel your body, feel the chair or the cushion, floor. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So some people feel that emotions should be expressed. Some people feel that emotions should be repressed. The approach in the mindfulness meditation is neither expression nor repression, but rather to it's just to let it be. Let the emotion be. You don't have to act on it. You don't have to give voice to it. Just let it be. Uh, don't have to deny it, or judge it. Just let it be, and watch it. Be, know it's there, be aware, hold it in awareness. Something happens in awareness that <clears throat> is very different. And it's kind of counterintuitive counter for many of us where you feel like you have to do something. Something has to be done here. And, um, but you don't, you don't have to do much, except just be aware. So in that guided meditation, I asked you a couple of times to be aware of your emotion, your attitude, mood. <clears throat> what happened to some of you when you did that? It'd be nice if you could hear the range of things that what was the like, "Yes. <clears throat> did you wait for the mic? It's, it's coming." so, the first
3: time that you mentioned that we should look for the emotions, I found it very hard to put my finger on it. It was as if I was in a room which was kind of semi dark, and I kind of saw from the corner of my eyes there were some shadows, but I couldn't really you know put a focus on them the The last time you repeated this, then it became more clear the emotions kind of became more concrete and, w- and when you said to to identify them and kind of uh, Separate, or something like, or, or liberate ourselves at yeah. that point. Yeah. They kind of seemed to go into like small boxes. <laughs> that kind of I could we see floating in the room, uh-huh. and then I, I felt more relieved.
1: Relieved. So it was a nice, so a, a different way of relating to them. That was nice for you. Indeed. Great. Thank you. Someone else up here. Maybe Jim can bring it up here.
2: The front. Um, I guess a similar point, um, I had a very difficult time eliciting any emotion other than it was calm. Uh, you know, I felt calm and I didn't really feel an accentuated emotion of any kind.
1: Calm is an emotion.
2: Yeah, so, so, so that, that was one. But during the guided meditation itself, um, sometimes thoughts would occur, which I wouldn't say are emotions, so the mind wandered. But the overwhelming sensation I still felt was more physical, than emotion. So the emotional sensation of calm didn't go away, but I could notice the physical sensations.
1: That were connected to the calm? Um,
2: that was the, I mean, the mind uh, emotion I felt was calm, but the physical sensations were the dominant sensations yeah. often.
1: Great. Great. So. And what, what was it like to just be aware of the calm?
2: I mean, that actually felt, felt great. It was, you know, neutral. There was no... I, I at least didn't feel, despite your prodding any kind right. of... a. Accentuated emotions.
1: But you, you didn't have to, but, you, but it was nice to feel the calm. And uh, so it was nice to hang out there. And and uh, if I had instead said, pay attention to the the train whistle, you would have, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been as nice as noticing the calm. Absolutely. So straight behind you. Yeah, behind, right there in the chair.
4: I have a real problem with anxiety. Yes. And um, that was the emotion that I was grappling with. And I had to ask myself, where in my body is this emotion? Where is it coming from? Right. And it's my breath and my heart.
1: So this whole chest area? Yes. Yes.
4: And I found it, it was hard. But to... Congratulations.
1: That's great to find it in the body. Uh, and, and that this path of mindfulness, when you can begin localizing in the body that's when the, uh, the path begins opening up it's, So it's, it's much, this is much more about going through the body than going through the mind
4: Okay.
1: this way and, uh, so much so that uh, it was either Freud or Jung who said the royal road to the unconscious was the dreams uh, in Buddhism we, we would say the royal road to the unconscious is through the body so, so once you felt it in your chest in that area uh, did anything shift and change for you?
4: It was good to acknowledge it.
1: Uh-huh. So it was, I know this is a little bit, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you kind of fill in, in what way was it good? How, how was it good for you?
4: It, it was good because it gave it meaning. Mm. The way I describe my anxiety is that I live with stage fright uh-huh. all the time. Uh-huh. That I always have that feeling of stage fright. Uh-huh.
1: And by feeling it here did you were you a little bit freer from it then, or yes, and it gave you some maybe some hope that they had to be stuck there, yes, because when it's not when before that it was just more disembodied and not clear where what yes, great and and uh, we'll get back to the body again later, but thank you so up here
0: um i I have always sort of suspected about myself that um, I don't want to let go or even put those feelings because it's how I know that I feel. Um, and so it's really hard for me. It's like my friends are leaving. And so that's kind of how I yes. felt is that I, I was like, don't go, don't go. Because then I'm just going to be sitting here in this empty room by myself. Mm-hmm. and um, and And I'm not feeling anything. And that's like I don't like that feeling of just feeling like I feel nothing got it and um I I guess I just um I think that the the feeling that I hold on to most is the um it's not quite anxiety but it's like a holding of my breath when there are things beyond my control that I'm thinking well what more can I do to control this mm-hmm. and so I always feel like I've I've got my breath held and I'm waiting to exhale.
1: And, the, and that feeling of anxiety of holding your breath and what more can you do right. is a is a um, familiar companion for you. Yeah. And so it's kind of a little bit feels secure in a funny way or safe or familiar. Right. So it's kind of nice to have it nearby.
0: And if I'm not thinking of the next thing to do, then I'm just doing nothing, I'm just yeah.
1: something you know, I'm yeah. just there alone great. so, it's, so what, what, it's great it was great that you could see all this uh, this is kind of, again, the mindfulness path is to start seeing this and then because you're seeing it start becoming wise about it um, and so this is the beginning of wisdom The uh, and in the meditation I don't think I said anything at all about uh, letting it go but that was your concern, that it would go if you did this, right?
0: No, I want it
1: you, it's so important you want to keep it. Yeah, want to
0: keep it. Mm-hmm. The other thing um, is that I, I say it's like a feeling of waiting to exhale, but actually I feel that it actually is in my lower back muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I actually feel mm-hmm. the, the waiting to exhale yeah. and the relaxing. Yeah.
1: So some people identify very strongly with their emotions. Their emotions is uh, how they orient themselves to the world around them. It's how they communicate to others. Only by sharing their emotions do they really kind of feel connected to others. And so they become very important identifications, so they hold on to them. And some people hold on to their, their, their difficult emotions. They, 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 you know, in one part of their mind or their heart, they kind of want to be free of it. They read self-help books. They want to be free of these kinds of things. But the other part doesn't want to give it up at all because it's what they're familiar with. It's with security for a, a lifetime. And who are they going to be if it's not there? Um, uh, it's, uh, you're not going to die and if, this thing, if some of these things begin to go. And in fact, um, it's it's a little bit like holding your hand in a fist all the time. And that's all you know. And you know how to get around the world a little bit by fists. You know, you can pick up things. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can kind of get around and you can get some of the things you want. and um, and uh, And so you don't want to give it up because it's been useful and people... Only, you know, that's how people know you is by your fists and you get good reactions from people and, you know, you've figured out. But that's fine. But you don't believe that not having a fist is going to serve you. But finally, for some reason, you open your hands, maybe by mistake, and you discover you have so much more you can do with your fingers and your hands when the hands are open. So, but it's a transition time. Initially, when, if you hold your hands like this for a long time, it might actually hurt for a while as you let go. It might feel very strange for a while, maybe numb for a while. But then slowly the blood comes back and, and the life comes back and, and this whole other kind of way, possibility, where the hands arises. So with you, uh, you want to be very respectful and what you saw was great. And, uh, and you want to be very slow and not, not be in a hurry to let go. But as you become wiser and start seeing it more clearly, you'll see that you don't always need to have that. And it's possible to release the fist. It's possible not to always be kind of trying to control and plan ahead. And when you let go, you'll find a whole other uh, uh, repertoire of sensitivity, emotions, uh, wisdom, understanding that's waiting there for you.
4: Is it possible? I had um, two opposing Emotions yes. yes, the first one was contentment, uh, uh-huh. and then there was something underneath, and I was just fighting it and fighting it, and it was um, I was a little overwhelmed i 'd been um, going through my house and going through closets and all kinds of things <coughs> that i haven 't gone through in years uh-huh. and making lists of you know all the different things, so I felt overwhelmed by that, but I was also very content. Um, I just spent like three days with my little granddaughter yeah. and it's it's very um, calming. Yeah. So, is that... Yes, is that, uh,
1: Yes. definitely we can have multiple emotions, layers of them going on. Uh, what, what interests me here, yes, I want to agree, yes you can. So were you able to just hold, be very simple and hold each of them in, in their own way? Yes. And, and, what, I, I, and what was that like?
4: Well, I just remember you saying that um, it's okay. Uh-huh it's okay to have both of these at the same time. And I was really fighting the, the overwhelming one. Uh-huh.
1: Were you able to kind of give up some of the fight? Yeah. And what was that like?
4: It was kind of freeing. Oh. And
1: what happened to the overwhelm when you kind of stopped fighting it?
4: Well, then I had to just, you asked us to find out where we were holding it in yeah. our body. And after I found that out, then it was. Um, it felt like it was okay.
1: Oh Nice. Nice. Great. Thank you maybe one more up here.
3: So um, it was pretty amazing when you, when you asked us to find the emotion and then see what lights up in our body. It was kind of instant Yeah. Oh there and visiting with that. And everything was going really well until you said, now what is it replaced by? And I had this big, no, no, no. Uh, what is it replaced by?
1: Oh, if it, if it went if away. It,
3: and I had this big yell in my head, like, no, it's not ready to be gone. <laughs> and then I remember this visual you gave us last week, um, like this. Yes. And I yeah. And um, I just allowed it to, like, hang out there. And it kind of reminded me what you were talking about. It, um, that fear, which was unsafe and unjust, could hang out there, like, it's okay, as long as you need to. And then where it was, which for me was really right here. All of a sudden heard the feeling of heard came in mm. so at once in my hands was unsafe and unjust, and as long as you need to hang out there, odoki ah. and so it was this beautiful, amazing thing, right and then, as soon as we opened our eyes and stretched, my diaphragm ceased like ah. no more breathing <laughs> so ba- I just, back
1: back to normal
3: yeah, so I just wondered, as a beginner to a, a long sit, how do you um what do you recommend as the way to continue that gorgeous breathing and that balance of Mm. to diaphragmatic action.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I think you don't want to hold on to any particular thing like that. You just want to keep looking. The mindfulness is just keeping mindful of what is. And if you lose it, then be mindful of what it's like to lose it. And hold that. Hold that. As soon as you try to w- hold on, then you have a very nice feeling that goes on, very free and nice and relaxed and smooth. As soon as you want to hold on to it, uh, you're starting to live in your preferences and your bias in a way that begins to interfere with what's happening. You don't know, none of us really know uh, um, what really needs to happen in our psyche, in our hearts and minds. You don't know what movements are there. Um, sometimes you need to be afraid. That needs to be come up. And you need to see it in a new way. So I think it's better not to try to, have, to hold on to something. but Just be content when it's nice and really nice. Just be content with that for that duration. And when it changes and you tighten up, uh, just be content to follow that and see how it changes and hold that. Because it might be something really important that needs to come out and happen. Take your time. And... Um, And the fact that in meditation you could relax and then your eyes opened up and maybe you came back to the usual habit. um, Don't be discouraged by that. It's really powerful that you had that alternative. Uh, I lived for years with a tense stomach. And I would relax in meditation and that relaxed, nice stomach would last about five seconds. And then it would tighten up again. It was instinctual. And, you know, relax. And it took, it took years before it slowly, slowly uh, it let go. And now it's usually pretty relaxed. Thank you. So, um, once the Buddha was teaching <clears throat> a group of people, like maybe like you, and he said to them, um, if an um, archer comes along and pulls his arrow and, and shoots it at a, another person. That person who's struck by the arrow, will that person hurt, will it be painful? And the audience said, oh yeah, be struck by an arrow is painful. And the Buddha said, and if that man is struck by a second arrow, would that be even more painful? And they said, oh yeah, that would be even more painful. So then the Buddha said, um, sometimes the first arrow, is just what life brings you. The second arrow is the one that you shoot. Meaning that if I am walking down the sidewalk here and I trip on the sidewalk and I'm a mindfulness teacher and I'm supposed to be mindful of everything I do, right? And you all see me trip. (laughs) You know, I might have scraped my knee, you know, that's, that's the first arrow. The second arrow is, oh no. I'm a klutz. I'm a no-good walker. And now my whole career as a meditation teacher is at stake and you know, I need to kind of, kind of I need, I'm need. i afraid I'm going to lose my whole profession and reputation and all these good people and, and, and so now i got to get really motivated to try to convince them that I'm okay. I'm, sti- I'm still a good teacher. So oh, that's like a series of second and third and fourth arrows. Those are the ones I do. If I'm sitting and meditating and the instructions aren't going to stay with your breath and my mind doesn't want to stay with my breath, it keeps wandering off into thought, goes into thought, thought. So I don't know if that's the first arrow, but maybe it's a, say it's the first arrow, just what happens. The second arrow would be, I'm a lousy meditator. I shouldn't be doing this. And then, not only my lousy meditator, but I think I chose the wrong meditation i'm always choosing the wrong thing to do i 'm a very poor choice i was I just listened to my friends too much and you know they I, they influenced me and i don 't really you know, you know i don't really you know stand for myself and and i don 't really stand for myself because you know those parents of mine and they were so dumb they were so <laughs> d- they were so domineering and, and and, ups, you know, and they're so like and I'm so angry with them and how could they have done that to me when I was so small and so defenseless and, and this is really terrible and, and I really need to do something about this but I can't afford therapy anymore and therapy is so expensive and it's so hopeless boy, life of mine is so difficult it's so hopeless how am I oh going to manage this? and, um, and then you know, but you know I've heard that meditation can help but wait a minute. <laughs> I'm meditating. <laughs> so I, I went on a whole kind of trail of first, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, arrows. Some people live their lives at the 118th arrow. You know, there's like arrow after arrow after arrow. And, um, and what we're trying to, one of the things we're trying to do as meditation is stop slinging the arrows. And if you, could, if you can just stop doing the 119th, that's really good. <laughs> if you have 118 arrows you've managed to do between the time you woke up and the time you, you peed,
3: <laughs> you know, uh,
1: 118, if you then say, boy, I, I shouldn't have gone to that meditation class yesterday because now I didn't know I'm 119th and I'm just a loser. <laughs> That's 119. <laughs> just let it be 118 and go, wow. That's a lot. Wow. Or if it just, you know, if you, if you, if you trip on the sidewalk here, just let it be tripped on the sidewalk. If your mind wanders off in thought, just let it be wandering off in thought. Don't add a second arrow. Just let it be. And what we're trying, this is this mindfulness practice, let things be and see it, but see it clearly for what it is. That's the currency, that's the way it works. Just see it clearly for what it is. Isn't it isn't letting it be and then kind of blindly kind of, con- kind of uh, condoning it or acquiescing to it or you know, kind of st- zoning out about it. But it's to really clearly see it what's there. This is particularly useful with emotions. Some people have a lot of emotions. Some people don't have a lot of emotions. That It's not part of their life. Uh, some people have uh, all kinds of ideas of how you should be. You might have ideas how they should be. <laughs> um, you might have ideas how you should be, you know all kinds of things. It's very, rather unfortunate. Uh, maybe we, we, I think we're by genetics or something, we have different ways of being in the world, and some people are very much in the world through their emotions, and that's great. Some people are not. Some people, however, are shut down around their emotions. Some people are emotionally illiterate because they have never paid any attention, never learned about it and studied it. So in meditation, there's no need to be looking for emotions particularly. There's no need to be judging yourself for not having enough or having too many or whatever. Um, what we do t- in meditation is we're trying to be present for what is. And, but sometimes what is is emotions. And when emotions become compelling, when they become strong and predominant in meditation experience, then in the mindfulness meditation, you would let go of the breath and you would just bring your attention to feel and be present for that emotion. In a similar way that you brought your attention to your hand, you would bring it to the emotion. And and you might start off by just recognizing the emotion for what it is. You know, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm contented, um, you know, I'm worried, or something, whatever it might be. come, calm. Just recognize it. Or sometimes it's not clear, you know something's going on. Um, and so you, it's kind of vague, but you know it's something. And so you're just content to be with something. <laughs> with the vagueness of it. You don't have to analyze it or try to spend a lot of time figuring it out. You just hang out with the vagueness of it. But you hang out with it if it feels strong. Um, and then see if you cannot not add any second arrows. Just let it be. If you add a second arrow, see if you can not add a third. If you add a third, try not to add a fourth. If you add a fifth, then get curious about the archer. <laughs> <laughs> then just turn around and start looking at who's, what's going on here? What, who's, what's, what, it, what is it that keeps attacking? what is it that keeps so critical what is it that's, what's going on here turn around and look at that what's, what's going on there it's uh, when you're trying to be with an emotion that's strong um, it's, uh, first, first it's a big deal just to recognize you're having it the second is uh, you want to uh, allow it to be there uh, in meditation um, there are some social situations where maybe it's best not to allow your emotions to be there you know, publicly. (laughs) But that's where you have to have some street smarts to know what you should and shouldn't do. But uh, in meditation, it's one of the great places to, like I said earlier, to give this freedom to let yourself be who you are. So uh, see, can you allow it to be there? And that's not easy to do. Some emotions are very uncomfortable. Some of them, we have very strong beliefs associated with them, very strong identifications with them. And um, they should be, they shouldn't be there, all kinds of things. So for it's a training, it's an experimentation. Can I just let it be, allow it to be there? What, would that, what is that like? And um, and not add anything on top of it. And then uh, it's really helpful to name it, to be and uh, like so. There is something in the ancient in, in in some cultures in ancient stories. If you name the dragon, the dragon loses its power. In some cultures, if you, uh, you don't tell people your birth name because your birth name has a kind of power associated with it. So you have a nickname they use, but they don't know your real name. And, uh, because somehow, in the, in the mind, the power of naming is that it helps overcome the identification. It helps overcome the way which we're g- glued or caught in the grip of the emotional life. There's something about naming sometimes. So it's kind of like, like stepping back. Something like a full acknowledgement, full recognition of something. It's very powerful. You've probably been in an experience where uh, someone, uh, we have the English expression, um, you know, they named it, you know. I like to name something's going right now. And occasionally if it's done right, <laughs> um, uh, everyone kind of go, oh yes, I'm glad someone named it. It's kind of this acknowledgement. So we name the emotion or whatever it might be. Happy as happy, unhappy as unhappy, whatever it be. And then we, uh, and then if it's still there, still needs attention, which it probably does. Then uh, one of the best ways to uh, explore it is not, is to explore it in the body. Uh, every emotion has a corollary, has a manifestation, is energizes some part of the body. It's not always obvious. But sometimes you have to be a very subtle mind, subtle attention to see it. Sometimes it's uh, not subtle at all. And. Uh, so you can kind of obvious where it is. Your stomach is in knots. So, um, but for, look for where it is in the body. And this is one of the reasons why that's very helpful. But what we want to do is we want to stay present for the emotion, but not get uh, uh, sidetracked into the stories connected to it. So if I'm sitting meditating, minding my own business, and uh, out of the blue, I think of my high school girlfriend. And how I was jilted. And that was not right. The way she did it was awful. And I'm still angry. And not only did she jilt me, but she treated me badly. Boy, did she treat me badly. And what she said was just awful. And I'm going to tell her, when I ever see her, it's been 40 years, 45 years, (laughs) but when I see her, I'm going to tell her, yes, and I know what she's going to say, and I'm ready for the response. And, you know, I get all worked up, right? So I'm going through the story and this, you can feel how the story elicits more emotions. So the story feeds the emotions. Here's a story I like to tell. I, I don't think I told you. <laughs> Danger of teaching too much. You don't know where you <laughs> said something. Uh, many years ago, I was teaching a retreat. And... Um, um, there, was this, uh, 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 there was one morning meditation that was magic, it was special. Uh, there was something about the light, the air, the temperature It was November. The room was so peaceful and still, like, oh, it's exquisite. And it, it, it sensed everyone was sharing in the peace. Right afterwards, I was a teacher, so right afterwards, I went to a small room, and it was a beautiful room, it was, um, it was a monastery, and so it was the little cell, monk cell room, and uh, I, I like monasteries, so I was very happy in there. And so I met in my little chair, and this woman came to see me. And this woman was a woman who I'd known for some years, and she was very troubled. Lots of difficult life, very troubled, very anxious, caught up in her inner turmoils. And um, i been trying to support her for a number of years. And so right after that magic meditation, she came in to see me. We are sitting opposite each other. And I was so peaceful and content, I didn't feel like I had to say anything. And it was pretty obvious she felt the same way. She had a smile, she was peaceful. It was so nice to sit there together with her, sharing the peace. And at some point we started talking and she acknowledged that she was really peaceful. And I knew this was special for her. And, um, And then she said, but it wasn't this way yesterday. Yesterday, I was, and she would turned herself all into a knot. And before I knew it, she was all these emotions and feelings and yesterday. And my thought was, why do we need yesterday today? Couldn't you leave yesterday? Yesterday, we had this great thing going. So, uh, the emo- the stories we tell ourselves, the conversations we have in our head, fuel the emotions, keeps them going. Uh, it's somewhat infuri- infuri- infuriating or irritating, maybe, for some of us. Um, uh, s- s- conclusion that some scientists have come up with, I don't know where they got it, but that, um, that no emotion will last more than like 90 seconds. That's their lifetime. So, what? <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't study me. <laughs> but the, the theory here is that emotions by themselves are relatively brief, but why they persist through time is because we're feeding them. And there's a variety of ways that happen. And so, um, so by, by dropping down into the body, we're giving ourselves an alternative place to be present with the emotion that's not the story. Many people don't know how to be present with emotions except through the story. That's where it all kind of, this, the center of it. And we ground ourselves in the present moment, not back in high school, I mean, the woman at the retreat was just yesterday. I can be 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, so uh, that's, so just stay with the body. So with the story, with my anger, with my, jilt, you know, being jilted, um, what I would do there was I'd feel the anger and, you know, it was stimulated by the story, the anger, but then I let the story go and I just feel my the fire and the, power that's there in my belly and i feel it and hold it you know cup my hand just beat with it and as i do that uh what happens what happens to that anger what happens to the sensation of heat or tension that or or the not the knot that might be there and uh nothing has to happen uh we're trying to just learn how to be present for what is but being present gives space to things like breathing room I think of it as, uh, you know, these, uh, these uh, jack-in-the-box, that, you know, you stuff them in a box with a lid and they're on a spring. And if you release the spring, um, they pop out. Uh, well, what you're doing is you're giving space, room, to the spring so it can unwind. So the same thing with us. If we hold in awareness our emotional life, especially if we can feel it in the body, it's kind of like giving room where it begins to unwind, it begins to release. Sometimes that release process uh, um, uh, doesn't just go from difficult to wonderful. (laughs) Sometimes it goes from difficult to horrendous. You go, you're sitting there and you feel, I feel irritated, so you're present for the irritation and then you feel angry. So you really try to be present for the anger and you feel enraged. there's no story involved, but what's happened is we have these layers and there might be something that's been stu- stuffed away for life, for a lifetime, that finally has a chance to surface. And, uh, and then the, the art of the meditation is to, or the skill is to learn how to be present for the emotion so even when it's really intense, we can trust it's okay. Just let it be, let it come, let it show itself. And one of the really important things I've learned from doing this meditation practice is that I can trust whatever emotion arises when I'm meditating if I'm present for it. And I don't have the smarts enough to know what's supposed to happen. I, don't, I can't engineer what happens. I can't figure out what's happened. I can't second guess what's supposed to happen. But the, this, the, this amazingly sophisticated system that we have the psychophysical, emotional, the whole thing we have, um, it, there is a natural process towards healing, a natural process towards health, if we give breathing room for it to be there. And that's why it's so powerful to learn to just to be present here and now for what is, and be very simple. And uh, sometimes it's so simple what we do that we don't recognize how sophisticated it is, how amazing, amazing it is. So four steps. So you're sitting and meditating and you're following your breath maybe and at some point some emotion arises that seems like it needs some attention. At that point you can <laughs> let go of the breathing and bring your attention to recognize that that motion's happening. Uh, see, see what your relationship is to Are there any second arrows? Or is there any commentary you're adding to it? See if you can try to get closer to not being reactive. Just allow it to be. You can't do it 100%. Don't, never try to do anything 100% in meditation. Th- that's just more arrows. Just kind of like, just try to be more allowing of it, a little bit. It's okay. And then uh, uh, if, then name it. See what the naming does. Name it a few times. And then if it's still there, uh, explore it in your body. Feel it in your body. What's there? Does that make sense? And then, uh, and hang out there. And it, it might stay for a long time. they hanging out there with the body, and might morph and change in different ways, and might be there. Anytime that you want, you can come back and your breathing. Sometimes emotions are challenging to be with, and sometimes just hanging in there and staying with them is is exhausting, or you know, it's not so useful. So sometimes when there's been, for a while you've touched in with a difficult emotion, sometimes it's good to, to uh, say, thank you, I'll come back to you later. And go, uh, come back to some place that's neutral. Come back to your breathing, if that feels neutral. Come back and feel your hands. This hand exercise we did is, can be very helpful when there's really strong anxiety, strong feelings, a sense of overwhelm. Come back to something that's grounding here and now for a little bit. And um, it's kind of like you're stepping away, so you can kind of get centered again. And then if you feel like it, you can come back and explore it a little bit again, or come back to your breathing. So any questions about this? Yes, please, there's a mic. Is we, do we have a mic? Yeah, here.
5: So I think my question is, um, you're talking about, you know, you're sitting to meditate and you're trying to feel if you have any emotions. Uh, can that be applied when I'm not meditating? I'm feeling I have an emotion. Do I just sit down and meditate then?
1: Oh, it can be. Uh, well, um, I've done that. I think it's a great thing. If, if, if it seems like the right time and place, uh, and like at home and you're alone or something... It's really interesting to have a strong emotion and just stop and be present for it. It's very respectful of it, just to really feel and be with it. Um, it, uh, You know, if you're at work and you know you're in the assembly line and you (laughs) (laughs) you, wait, I'm going to stop and sit down and be with my emotion. (laughs) So you have to kind of consider the context of when you're going to do it. But yes, it can be great.
5: I'm asking this question because I feel that um, I meditate every day uh, and I was very curious about the session tonight because I don't feel like really the emotions are coming when I'm meditating.
1: Right. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, If you don't feel any so this whole class today was about emotions. If you don't have any emotions in your meditation um, uh, don't worry about it. Unless it goes on for months. And then maybe come and talk to a teacher. (laughs) Uh, because maybe there's some things to explore, but uh, I wouldn't worry about it. But um, but these principles that I'm teaching here, and learning it to strengthen your mindfulness in meditation, then you can apply it outside of it, meditation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a great benefit in my life to have the skill of being with emotion in complicated social environments. I have saved myself so much grief um, from uh, not saying things, not doing things. That um, that you know would have required a lot of process. So because I know how to be present for it, I know how to recognize it. I know how not to identify with it. Just let it be.
5: Um, Yes. Could I ask one more question? Yeah, please. Um, So I'm struggling a little bit with the "let it be" and (laughs) don't go into the story. Like, um, I feel like if I let it be, you know, all these arrows are coming, like you're describing. Um, so, is it really going straight into the body, or what do you advise to do to really let it be with, without going to the next? Sh-
1: well, if, if the arrow shooting happens automatically, then uh, become curious about the archer. Just step back and, and, and look, look at that experience. What's it like to shoot an arrow? And let that be, but really get curious what is this? What is this shooting of arrows? that makes some sense?
5: Yes, I will try. thank you
1: yeah, yeah let us know what you find out if you'd like to. the um, so um, I'd like to we have about ten minutes before the end. There is a homework here, so it goes over this little bit there and And my book that's by the door has um, a chapter on emotions. You can read it. And um, also, um, uh, there's some exercises there, what things you can do outside of meditation as well. But I'd like, in the last minutes we have, I'd like to do one more meditation. And and it's going to be connected to emotions, but a very different approach uh, than what I've taught you so far. And um, it's not actually mindfulness meditation, but it's a meditation that uh, we teach as a complement to mindfulness meditation, as a support for it. And so sometimes it's a very helpful uh, to know about this kind of meditation, uh, because sometimes it's actually more useful to do this, than just sometimes it's a little too difficult to just always stay with difficult emotions. And so sometimes there's another thing you can do sometimes. So um, um, so just close your eyes and make yourself kind of comfortable as you're sitting here. and being comfortable here, kind of take some gentle breaths, maybe gently deeper breaths. And there's a way maybe of just checking in with yourself, settling in, letting go. Take a moment if you can, best you can, not 100%, just whatever you can, to just be kind of okay with how you are right now. It's a generous thing to just be okay with yourself as you are at this moment. Cough <clears throat> So this alternative meditation is a meditation on being friendly to yourself. (laughs) Of being generous or kind to yourself. And as you're sitting here, with thinking or feeling, whatever way you can, Consider what a good idea would be if you were happy, if you had a sense of well-being. It would be nice, it would be a nice thing. There might be other people that you would very easily wish them to be happy. And like you would wish someone else to be happy See if you can find some part of you feels generous to yourself or at least hypothetical about yourself. It would be nice if you could be happy. And if you have a sense of well-being when you have a sense of any kind of well-being, does that sense of well-being, is that felt anywhere in your body? Does it manifest someplace in your body the feeling of well-being, happiness, peacefulness, a feeling of safety? Have you felt safe or happy, What happens in your chest, in your belly? Not that you feel that way now, but where in your body do you feel that when it is there? And then very quietly, silently in your own mind, Repeat the the words I'm about to say for yourself, towards yourself, and see if you can kind of get in the spirit of the words, or let the words, what's the meaning of the words, somehow touch some place inside that maybe kind of means can can get behind the words. Silently to yourself say, May I be happy. And may I be safe. May I be at ease And in the way that you would drop a pebble into a pond, and the pond would ripple out, as you say the last word of these phrases, let that be the pebble that falls into your heart and see how it ripples out, the meaning of that word. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be at peace. And we'll do it one more time this last time, as you say the last word, see if you can let your mind, thinking mind become quiet so you can feel the ripples within of these words and this intention, this wish. May I be happy. safe. And then to end this sitting, you can take a few deep breaths. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. <laughs> so, the, So this course is mostly about mindfulness meditation, but this last little meditation is called, uh, in English it's called loving kindness meditation or the Buddhist word for loving kindness is metta, M-E-T-T-A, it goes back to the Buddha. It's an integral part of Buddhist practice and this attitude of goodwill, of well-wishing. And um, some people don't find it very interesting to do. Uh, Some people find it very nice to do and very meaningful. But I offered you to today, today for two reasons. One is that um, it's kind of the spirit that's behind mindfulness, the attitude behind it. because I talked about just being non-reactive, just allowing, just letting things be. they can kind of feel kind of neutral, like, you, know, like just you, know, just empty, just like be with stuff. Um, it's very powerful to be with stuff. It's a very generous thing to do. It's a very wise thing to do. And, um, but it's a little bit informed or supported by this idea of really wanting uh, you to be uh, wanting happiness, wanting a sense of goodwill, generosity of spirit toward yourself it's a, it's a heartfelt thing to do the other reason for teaching you this is that um, when you do ha- if it does happen that the emotions are difficult and sometimes you sit and be mindful uh, the things that might bubble up are difficult and it might seem too difficult to just sit there and just be open to it and be present and all that and, um, and, the, and the, the arrows might be fast and furious. And sometimes it's uh, nicer and more, more wise is to switch, stop doing mindfulness meditation and do this loving kindness meditation instead. And sometimes the goodness, the generosity of spirit, the, the goodwill, the friendliness that we kind of bring to ourselves with that uh, is what can help settle things. And, and then we can come back and do the mindfulness meditation. Make some sense, I hope. So, um, thank you. Uh, so next week, uh, we'll be doing thinking. So I, I know it's been hard to hold off your thinking. <laughs> and, uh, but thank you for waiting. And, uh, and so we'll do thinking next week and I'll teach you how thinking can be included as part of the meditation rather than relating to thinking as a problem for meditation. So enjoy your week and I hope your meditations are nice.